0: minister of a church, and uh, I believed still all through my life that I was a Christian, but there was times that I knew I wasn't, but I kind of, what are you going to say, covered it up, you know, just thought I was a good person and that would be good enough, and so I went on and got older, and my parents ended up passing away, you know, my dad in 05, my mom was in 08, and they passed on and I really lost touch of how I was raised and lived a sinful life and you know for several years there and never thought much about what I was doing but got further along in life I ended up meeting my future wife and she helped me settle down a lot from what I was doing and we talked several times about you know wanting to start going to church and stuff. And we even had one of the other members here invite us for almost a whole year. And I kept, oh yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be there, you know. Yeah, I'll come. And I put it off and well, then my life one day had a had a change of event where me and my, one of my closest brothers just a year older than I was. We were out working on a job and everything was going really good. And we have probably been working for about four hours and my, uh, my brother was doing a different type of job on the location, I was doing another, running equipment where we couldn't really hear each other and uh, he uh, ended up running over something with a brush hog on a tractor and he had to get underneath there and untangle it, the wire that got t- caught up in it. Well, when that was all happening, the tractor rolled forward and the brush hog came down on top of him. And he watched me while I was working, and he was yelling for me, trying to get my help. He ne- I never could hear him. And finally, I decided to take a break from what I was doing, and I walked over there and found him, and tried to free him several times, trying to get the tractor to start. I never could get it started, and, and I knew what I was doing on the tractor and stuff, but you know, it was it was a deal where it just it wouldn't start for me, so I was trying other things. Finally, I was like, I gotta get help. I was like, I'm there by myself with him. But I called 911, and that's when I fell down there, and I was there by him, and I prayed, and I was like, I gotta try again. You know, while I'm waiting, I just try. I, I'm not joking, as soon as I got up on that tractor, there it went, I started up, I didn't do nothing different. And right then and there, I realized there was bigger and better things than I, than I am, you know, that I needed help, and he helped me, and I, my brother is still here now. He's doing pretty well. He's, you know, healing really well. And ever since then, it took me just about another month after I kind of settled down and stuff and realized I was going to take up on that offer to come to church. In a few short months, God worked miracles. Here I am a believer again, and don't ever feel like I'll ever go back. You know, life feels great.
1: Amen. Well, God is good. God is good. I, I uh, had the privilege of first hearing Chad uh, tell that story in a discipleship group uh, that I'm in. And when he was telling uh, that story, man, it just just really caught me. Uh, someone invited him to church for a year, and he didn't, he didn't come. Uh, but God had a plan, and through a set that could have been a really bad circumstance, with you know He could have lost his brother under that brush hog, uh, He He decided last resort. Well, I guess I'll go back to God. I guess I'll pray. My last resort. Prayed. Started that tractor ride up. Got that brush hog off of his brother, and uh, it just amazing thing. And, and that that's part of the reason why we're in this series. Um, called Pray, and while we're, we're learning to make it more of a priority in our lives, uh, today is part two, and today we're going to talk specifically about praying for outsiders, praying for those that are outside of the faith that need Jesus Christ, um, and, and I just want to start out by just making it clear that I believe our evangelistic efforts are powerless without prayer. Our evangelistic efforts are just powerless without prayer. Now, now listen to this, okay? We need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to be bringing these people that we're trying to reach before the Heavenly Father and calling on God's intervention and God's uh, situations you know, that He's involved in to arise and God's power to call people back home and to draw people unto Himself. And I think if we think on our best day, we can just go out and evangelize and give forth our best efforts, that we'll find ourselves falling short without the power of God in our lives. We're going to read a passage about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. If you want to grab that Bible in the seat there around you, turn it to page 985. 985, you'll be right there. There's also a cool way for you to interact with the message now. If you get on the Oakwood Christian Church app and you go to connect... At the very top, you'll see a little uh, icon there that says Live Event. If you click on that, it'll actually have all the sermon notes, all the scriptures and everything in an outline form. And you're welcome to get on your phone or your tablet and follow along that way. And we're excited uh, about the uh, app and what, what it's going to do for us, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but Colossians chapter 4 Colossians chapter 4 beginning there with verse 2 give you a little bit of background here this is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to a church and he's actually writing from prison and this is kind of his parting words some some just instructions as he closes out uh, this letter, Um, these four chapters in this letter uh, to the Christians that are are there um, and and to the Colossians. And uh, this is where we're going to pick up this morning, Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 2, and it says, "...continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word." To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There are several things that we can learn about prayer and about evangelistic prayer specifically right here from this passage this morning. So let's just dive right into it. The first thing we learn here from these verses we just read and it's found in verse 2 is that they dedicated themselves to prayer. Okay, Paul has got some mission guys with him. They've been thrown in prison probably for doing evangelistic things. They're, they're in prison because they're speaking in the name of Jesus and the government does not want them to do that, so they throw them in prison. So even from prison, they dedicate themselves to prayer. What does it say there? It says, continue how? Steadfastly in prayer. Continue gives us this idea that this is an ongoing thing. This is not something we're going to waver from. It's going to continue to be something that we do. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And then it says this steadfastly gives us this idea that nothing could get in the way of it. It doesn't matter if we're in prison, it doesn't matter what the world throws our way, it doesn't matter what Satan tries to do to us, we are going to pray steadfastly and nothing's going to get in the way of that. We're going to continue to do it over and over and over again, petitioning our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, petitioning the God that has all the power to evangelize the whole world. The second thing we get from this passage is that they prayed with expectations. They prayed with expectations. I think we're honest. We don't do that very often. We don't pray with expectations, but they did exactly that. That's why it says there in verse 2, it says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If I told you as you were going home today, if I said, hey, be watchful on the roads as you go home, what does that make you think? It makes you think that you should expect something, right? Well, I need to be watchful because I'm expecting that something might happen. Maybe someone's going to try to run me off the road, or maybe there's going to be an accident, or maybe he knows the traffic's going to be really heavy. So if I said, hey, be watchful, then you would have this expectation that something might happen. That's exactly what they're talking about when it comes to prayer right here. Is that we're talking about that they prayed with expectations, and that's why he says, hey, be watchful. Expect something to happen as you pray. And I love how he ends that phrase. He says, and do it with thanksgiving. To always be thankful that God has the power to save, that God has the the power to move mountains, that God has the power to heal, that God has the power to do anything and even beyond what we could ask Him. They prayed with expectations. When we're praying for our ones, we're praying for those that are lost outside of Christ, we need to pray with some expectations. That God's going to answer those prayers, give us those opportunities, and save those people. The third thing is they prayed specifically for evangelism and for the spread of the gospel. Again, we talked about it last week. Sometimes our prayers are way too small and way too general. Here's big prayers that are very specific, praying for the spread of the gospel, the spread of evangelism. Look what it says there in verse 3. It says that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. God's going to open that door for the word, for evangelism, for the gospel to go out. And they've prayed specifically for that. That wasn't something they just thought, we'll just put it to the to the wayside, or we'll just wait on it, and we're gonna pray generic. No, they're very specific about that. And remember, they're they're in prison as they're they're asking to, to pray for these prayers. And then the fourth thing is this: is they prayed for clarity as they shared the message. They prayed for clarity as they shared the message. There in verse four, it says that I make, make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. He wanted to make sure that as he was going around and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're praying for very specific results and they want to make sure that as they go out and they share their stories and they talk about Jesus Christ that this is very clear. They prayed for clarity as they share their message. Because they knew they knew we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Evangelistic efforts are powerless Without prayer. Now, sometimes we get in this mode where I think we make excuses for our prayer life. We, we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, sometimes we have a lack of prayer or prayer is just not a priority in our life. Just as a general rule. But specifically here in this area of evangelism. I mean, before we did the series, this is for everyone, how often were you in prayer for those that were lost? How often were you in prayer for those that you need to share your life with, that you need to befriend, that you need to share the gospel with, and really thinking about that and praying about that. Sometimes we just don't focus and concentrate on communication with God, especially when we're asking Him for opportunities to share our faith. Some of us would say, well, you know, it's one of those things, it's priorities, or, or maybe I just don't have the time, I'm just, I'm just very busy my whole day, I get to the end of my day and, and that's the only time that I have, and I think we need to be challenged in that, It's one of the busiest people I can think about, and let's shift our talk for a second here about Jesus. I think he was one of the busiest people on the earth. You ever think about that? I mean, I don't know about you, but if you were given a mission that, hey, you've got three years to start a movement that's going to save the entire world, get after it. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that would be a lot of pressure. I'm sure Jesus felt that. And everything that he did and everything that he accomplished was was, was without a day timer or a Google calendar. Uh, He, you know, and and he didn't have any of that. And, And I'm thinking, well, how did he do it? You know, but I think if we look in the Scriptures, we can know. Is he? he stayed connected to the Father during his whole ministry. He stayed connected to the Heavenly Father. In Mark chapter 1, it records the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And right after his baptism and uh, the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness and then the temptation of Jesus, then Jesus begins to call his disciples and he begins his ministry and and, and right after that, there in Mark uh, chapter 1, it, 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 he continues to uh, do his ministry. Um, he starts preaching, and he starts healing people. And it's very interesting, when you get to verse 29 of Mark chapter 1, uh, the scripture says that he goes to Simon Peter's house, you know, uh, the disciple Peter. He goes to Simon Peter's house, and, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Okay, now, this is kind of interesting, if there's anyone in here that's ever come from a Catholic background or something, because Peter could only have a mother-in-law if what? If he he was married, right? I mean, do you know of anyone who has a mother-in-law just for fun? No? And I can say that, because my mother-in-law just had surgery, and she's not here today, so I'm safe. hope she doesn't watch this online, but... uh, but yeah, so so if he has a mother-in-law, then he's married. Now, if, if Peter was appointed by Jesus to be the first pope, which is what most Catholics believe, then and you find out he was married, then you have a very interesting situation, don't you? <laughs> but anyway, but, but Jesus heals... Peter's mother-in-law, it says there in the Scripture. And when the town hears about this, everyone in town starts bringing uh, people to Jesus. This is the town of Capernaum, you know, a small to medium-sized town. Um, In in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, it says this. It says, that evening, so Jesus is is healed. He's been healing and meeting and and, uh, teaching all day. It says, that evening after sunset, after the sun has gone down, the people brought to Jesus all The sick and the demon possessed. Not some of them, not half of them, but the scripture says actually all of them. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. And this was an incredibly busy day in the life of Jesus. This is the kind of day which would cause most of us to fall into bed exhausted at the end of the day. The next morning we'd be hesitant to get up because we're so tired. We'd hit the snooze not once or twice, but maybe three times. And we would probably excuse ourselves the next morning for morning prayer, right? We're doing the work of the Lord. We don't need to pray when we get up the next day. Let's just skip that and get some sleep. But then Jesus shows us something very powerful. And Mark tells us just a couple verses later, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, He left the house, and He went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Jesus, the Son of God, after a day, where he has every excuse to be exhausted and to want to sleep in, gets up before daylight. says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. I call that middle of the night. And Jesus got up, and he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And what Mark's gospel is giving us here. What Mark is giving us here is he's establishing the underlying secret of Jesus' life and ministry and why he was so attractive and so effective to so many people that he ministered to. Jesus stayed spiritually connected to the Heavenly Father. And he was continually directed by him as he prayed. And Jesus shows us this and models this. And you can say, well, that's just one time in Mark chapter 1. No, no. Read all of the Gospels and see how many times where Jesus is doing ministry and the next sentence is, and then Jesus withdrew to a, to a lonely place, to a solitary place, and began to pray. You see, prayer was a priority in his life. And when we pray, we stay connected and directed to our mission. We know that we're called by Jesus to be on mission to, to share with the lost ones. And when we pray about that, we stay connected and we stay directed right to that mission. And isn't that exactly what we want? I mean, I know it's exactly what we need to do. I've had many people ask me about their future because they want to know what the will of God is for their life. I have many people who are seeking how do I have a closer walk with the Lord? How do I have a closer walk with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? There are many people who are feeling disconnected from God. They don't ever feel led by Him. They don't ever feel like they're on mission. And if you're one of those sitting here this morning, then I would direct you to prayer. And prayer is the answer of how we stay connected and directed by God. You know, prayer also helps us stay directed because it raises our awareness i mean let's go back to the passage here we're talking about evangelism specifically here in colossians chapter 4 they're praying to steadfastly in prayer and they're being watchful with thanksgiving why because the gospel's going out and they're expecting results they're expecting lost ones to come home they're expecting lost people to be found and they're praying with those expectations and they keep bringing that. And because they're doing that in prayer, it brings this, this awareness to them. I mean, think about this. When you're praying for someone, are you thinking of them more? Well, of course you are because you're lifting them up in prayer. They are on your mind even more. And you begin trying to engage with them even more because you're thinking about them more. Oh, I need to call them. Oh, I need to text them. And it, and it, and it seems like it just kind of goes even out of your prayers and into your life now. Prayer keeps those lost people focused and it makes you aware of the mission and it makes you aware of God's calling and what you're supposed to do. And prayer reminds us to depend on God for the results and not on ourselves. Prayer reminds us to stay connected to the one who has all the power and all the might to do great and awesome and unbelievable things. I got a couple of pictures I want you to look at. It just kind of illustrates this for me. The the first picture is this. You know, sometimes when we pray, I feel like we're under the covering of God, you know? We pray, oh, God, protect me, God, be over me, you know? But when you're on mission with God and you start praying some evangelistic prayers with some expectations, it's more like this second picture. I feel like God is the leader, and we're just on the back of the mission. I mean, we're, we're riding on his power. We're riding on his might. He's the one that's going to go before us. He's the one that's going to prepare the hearts. Can you prepare hearts? Anybody in here to do that? Okay. So God, we need to pray to him. So he'll prepare the hearts. And then what do we do? We, we are faithful. We're just faithful. We just do what God asks us to do. We just plant the seeds. We put out the gospel. And I just want you to remember that you're not alone in this. It's like, it's like you're standing on the back of God. And we need to be persistent in this too. I heard the story of a grandmother who was praying for a wayward grandson. She had been praying for him for over 14 years before he responded to Christ and was baptized. 14 years. That whole time, she told stories that, that he just wasn't, um, just wasn't responding at all. She would invite him to church. He wouldn't go to church. She told him, stay out of this. He would get into trouble. He was in trouble with the law. He had made poor financial decisions. He would made poor uh, relational choices. I mean, his life, we would look at it and go, you are a mess. And yet this grandmother, who loved him so much, continued to pray for him and pray for him and pray for him. And after 14 years... He came to church at her church, and he made a decision for Christ, and it completely changed his life. And I think it was through the prayers of someone who was faithful and persistent and kept bringing the lost one before the Heavenly Father. I think to myself when I hear stories like that, because that's amazing to pray for that long about the same thing. Because you get, you know, about year six, you're like, oh, God's not going to answer this prayer, so I'll just give up. Aren't you glad she didn't quit praying at year 13? You see, prayer teaches us to depend on the one who can do the impossible. Sometimes we're looking at impossible circumstances and impossible situations. We say, there's no way you're going to get my dad to be a Christian. There's no way. There, oh man, my dad's so rough. and My, my dad's this. And my, there's no way you're going to get my dad to come to church. There's no way my dad's ever going to become a Christian. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no way you're going to get my mom. To, there's no way my brother's ever going to come to church. I'm telling you what. Don't give up. Prayer's teaching you. To depend on the one who can do impossible things. And I believe that God has so much more he wants to accomplish. What did the scripture say last week? More than we can even ask or imagine. More than we can even ask or even think about. God wants to do more than that. And and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get really excited because I'm thinking, God, I want you to do a lot of great things. But I think one of the greatest tragedies in our lives, if we're just being honest, is the fact that some prayers go unanswered. And you know why? It's because they go unasked. Some prayers are unanswered because no one's praying those prayers. I am challenging you this morning, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to know the will of the Father, and if you want to grow in your relationship with Him, then we have to pray, we have to communicate with Him. If you want to have mission success for the great commission that we've been given, then you have to pray for those who are lost. And you pray specifically for them by name, that God would do a great work in their lives. And you pray for opportunities to inject the gospel. Because we need to remember to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. And not the other way around. You know, we were talking about Mark chapter 1 there with Simon Peter and Jesus withdrawing to pray right right there in Mark's gospel chapter 2 at the very beginning there beginning with verse one there's a story and and if you've been in church camp or Sunday school if you came to church as a kid I know you, you know this story I love this story because it's, it shows this persistence of bringing someone before Jesus and here's here's the story there was this man who was paralyzed. Now, we don't know f- for sure if he was paralyzed, you know, uh, from an injury in life or if he was paralyzed from the time of birth. Um, a lot of scholars believe it's from the time of birth. And, but but he's, he's on this mat, and he has four friends that are wanting to bring him to Jesus. Now, Jesus is growing in popularity. He's casting out demons. He's doing healings. He's doing some amazing things. And, and Jesus has, uh, has, is in this house, and, the, you know, we, we read in a few verses before in chapter 1 that the whole town was there. Well, just to picture that again, he's in a house, and the whole town's there wanting to listen to him. And I, I just picture hundreds of people there, maybe, maybe over a thousand people there, just, just just seeing if they could get close to Jesus. And these four friends come with their, their, their friend that's paralyzed, he's on a mat, and, the, and they come, and the four of them come, and they, they want to bring him before Jesus. And I just picture them trying to, hey, can we get in there? And people are like, no, 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 shh, I'm, I'm trying to listen to Jesus, he's teaching right now. And, and they're like, man, well, how are we going to get our friend before Jesus? And if you know this story, it's it's super awesome, okay? These guys, they're not going to take no for an answer, okay? They actually go up on the roof of this house, and it says that they peeled back the roof to make a hole, and then they lowered their friend through that hole. So picture this, okay? This always helps you when I'm reading the Bible. Okay, Jesus is teaching. He's in the room, and then all of a sudden, the uh, you know, the ceiling starts falling down, a little dust and a piece, you know, and the popcorn on the ceiling just starts to fall, and... You know, uh, you know, everybody's looking up and Jesus maybe hesitates for a second. I don't know what's going on up there, but I'm going to continue teaching. And everybody's watching, but everybody's watching this. And then they start to make this hole. And I, I, just, I just imagine that Jesus at some point, he just kind of stops teaching and he looks and then they, they lower this friend down. I mean, I don't know if they had some vine that they had found or some rope or, or something, but maybe they took off their outer cloaks, but they tie it to the edges, and they lower their friend right there before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you, if you read this in Mark chapter 2, what Jesus says uh, to him is that, um, that your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees, there's a few of them in that town, they were like, man, you don't have the power to forgive sins, it causes this little bit of controversy, but, but Jesus says, what's easier, you know, to, to forgive sins or to say you're healed and walk? And at the end of that, Jesus says to him, he says, you're healed. Because of the faith that you have in me, you're, you're healed. I forgive you of your sins, but you're healed once you grab your mat, stand up and walk. And right there in front of everybody, including the four little faces that are looking down from the roof, this guy stands up for maybe the first time in his life and grabs his mat and walks out of that house. Now, here's the thing I want you to get from this this morning those four friends were persistent in bringing their friend before Jesus. They didn't give up. There was no no way that you were going to keep them away. That they were going to find a way to bring their friend before the Lord. And they believed in him so much that he had the power to not only heal, but to forgive sins. That they're putting their faith in him, and they knew this was a huge opportunity for their friend. I can't help but think wouldn't it be really cool if you were in heaven someday? And someone that maybe you don't even quite recognize in their heavenly form comes up to you and says, Hey, I just want to thank you for praying for me when I was lost. Because you cut a hole in the roof and you kept lowering me right before Jesus. And your prayers have made all the difference. Because I got to know him. I got to love him. And because of that faith that I put in Jesus, I'm here today. Can you imagine? I mean, we're talking about eternal destinies when we talk about evangelism and salvation. I think we need to constantly, with persistence, be praying for the lost and keep bringing them before Jesus so we close our time this morning that's that's what I want to give you a few minutes to do here's what we're going to do the band's going to come out and they're going to play just some background music and I'm just going to invite you to pray this morning Um, if you've been here for the last several weeks you know we've been we've been uh, uh, talking about how this is for everyone and we've we've got these wristbands this is for everyone pray for one we've been saying pick Pick somebody that's lost, start praying for them, start building a relationship with them, start loving on them. But we need to be bringing them before Jesus in prayer. We need to be calling on the power of God as we have these encounters. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. As the band plays, we're just gonna have three or four minutes to just give you time to pray. And you can do that in whatever posture or position that you want to. You can sit, you can stand. If you wanna kneel, you can kneel. If you wanna come up here to the stage, uh, pray on the steps, pray right here on the platform. Whatever posture uh, that you feel like you need to be, I mean, maybe you need to come up here and you need to cry out to God in humility for somebody that's lost that you're trying to reach. But whatever posture you want, I just want you to pray. I want you to think of those that maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone at work, maybe it, maybe it's someone that's uh, distance from you, but I want you to spend some time praying for them in the next few minutes. And then uh, whenever Alan feels like it's appropriate, he's going to lead us back into a song. Uh, The decision room will be open if you want someone to come uh, pray for you. If you have a decision you feel like God's uh, put on your heart this morning, you want to talk to someone, uh, you can come over there and do that still. But we're just going to spend the next few minutes praying. Praying steadfastly, continually, with thanksgiving, with expectations that God's gonna answer these prayers that are going out this morning. So let's go before the Lord right now.